Under the Tartan Sky, Episode 3, recorded 19 June 2015. Nothing says Scotland quite like tartan. The traditional crisscross colored weaves of fabric were once the hallmark of the Highland clans. Today, tartan has become the national dress of Scotland. Sure, it's still found on kilts and dresses, trues and jackets, but one wee company in Scotland is seeing tartan in an entirely new light, as jewelry. I'm Glenn Moyer. Welcome to Under the Tartan Sky. It's true, this is no longer your great-great-grandfather's tartan. So come with me and learn how you can get your bling on, all in the name of McDonald, Campbell, Stewart, and others. We're back with my guest to talk tartan as jewelry, right after this. Here in Scotland, 2015 is the year of food and drink, a celebration of the country's outstanding natural larder and produce. From artisan cheeses and world-renowned whiskies to succulent seasonal berries and arbroath smokies, there's an abundance of delicious regional flavours round every corner. Discover the landscapes, people and culture that make our food heritage so unique and enjoy a feast of events and festivals throughout the year. Come and experience a true taste of Scotland. Tartan, often called plaid here in the USA, is a fabric pattern made of crisscrossed horizontal and vertical bands in multiple colors. Originally associated with Scotland's Highland clans, their wool fabric was dyed using only the available natural dyes, and thus the coloring varied from region to region. That's partly how it became associated with and identified with the clans of the same regions. When the government tried to bring the clans under control, and frankly, in an attempt to take away their identity, tartan, both the making and wearing of it, was banned by the Dress Act of 1746. It was restored in 1782, and tartan became the symbolic national dress of all of Scotland. Today, there are many, many registered tartans. No longer the purview of just the Highland clans, today companies, families, associations, and even many U.S. states have their own officially registered tartan. Why, you can even go online and design and register your own if you'd like. In fact, I used an online tartan design software to create the tartan rainbow logo for this podcast. Most often associated with items of clothing like kilts, ties, scarves, and such, Today, tartan is no longer limited to textiles and can be found on products made of paper and plastic with uses ranging from packaging to wall coverings. One of my friends even recently had her car partially vinyl-wrapped in her clan tartan. My guests are Trish and Harry Tracy, and they've undertaken yet another approach. At their company, Truly Truly Tartan in Glasgow, they are designers and makers of finely crafted tartan jewelry. Trish and Harry, welcome to Under the Tartan Sky, and let's begin by discussing just how Truly Truly Tartan came to be. Truly Truly Tartan um, was launched in 2014. The brand itself, I've been making jewellery, tartan jewellery, since 2008. I've been making all different types of jewellery, using all different types of metals, stones, and the tartan jewellery was just a part of my overall range. 
I attended Tywing Games for years, um, selling my jewellery, and I saw how popular my tartan jewellery had become and decided to launch that as a brand on its own. Therefore, Truly Truly Tartan was born. You are in business with your husband, of course, Harry, and you're the creative side, more or less, and Harry is the admin, the numbers cruncher, and also gets involved in procurement of raw materials and um, networking with, I guess, with dealers and that sort of thing. Is that correct, Uh, Harry? Yeah, I have 35 years um, experience in procurement, or purchasing, as we call it, in the UK. And um, one of my roles was group purchasing director for um, the oldest and biggest supplier to Marks and Spencer, the uh, the major high street retailer in the UK. So I've got a background in terms of garment manufacturing, textiles, jewellery manufacturing, and basically Northern Mills and the um, the supplier base on a global basis. So when Trish wants something or designs something, um, needs a new uh, tartan woven. Um, my job generally is to sort out the specifications, liaise with the suppliers and, you know, uh, leave it to get on with the creative side of things. One of the creative parts of the business, I suppose, but I'm sure it involves uh, your networking with suppliers as well, and that is how you take tartan and evolve it to be able to work with it in jewelry. Tartan patterns by nature are very large, very broad, because we're talking about fabric used for a, a kilt or a, a scarf or things of that nature. And and jewelry by nature is, is very, very Quite tiny. Fine, um, yes. <laughs> so h- how do you make that how do you make that transition, taking the, the fabric and bringing it to something the size of jewelry? Well that's where I think Trish is very, very unique. Um you're right. The, the the broadloom fabric is generally around about one and a half, uh, sorry, 150 inches uh, wide. Now, if you were trying to make a pair of earrings or cufflinks or something using a segment of that particular cloth, you would only get a small piece of colour. You wouldn't see anything of the pattern. So Trish has got this incredible gift of being able to miniaturise. Uh, the broadloom fabrics, uh, down into a very narrow width. And then what we do is we send it off to a weaver. We have our own weaver, uh, the only one in the UK, in fact, you know, that's available to do this. And he puts his interpretation on it. We agree a final specification. And, um, you know, the the, the agreement of the specification, the colours and everything else, it takes a wee while. It takes probably around about three months from start to finish. There are, as I discussed, a number of tartans that are officially registered. You probably know better than I how many. Let's look at it in, in terms of how many registered tartans do you think or do you know that there are and how many of those are available in your product line? Firstly, we have 36 available to the general public, but we have a few more than that because we've done them as um, on an exclusive um, arrangement with various plans, etc., in total, in terms of the tartan register, uh, there are well in excess of 10,000 tartans. Uh, there aren't 10,000 clans, but there are a number of variants um, within the clans. So, you know, maybe one side of, say, the Campbell family uh, that lived a little distance away would develop their own tartan. So it's, you know, maybe called Campbell hunting or, you know, Campbell of um, 
I am, as a matter of fact, and, and you're exactly right, because there's the Campbell Tartan, uh, then there is um, there's another uh, Campbell, and, and I'm particularly associated with the uh, Campbells of, and help me if I say this wrong, Campbells of uh, Bredalbin. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. that's the one. Um, so and, and, they know, have, and their tartan is different than the from the primary Campbell tartan. So you're, you're right about the variance there. And there's variance, you know, which is... Uh, ancient, modern, hunting, yes. etc. Um, I mean, uh, as an example, we have um, the Stuart Tartan. Uh, there's Royal Stuart, which is the Queen's Tartan, and there's Dress Stuart. Uh, similar in terms of colorings, but a different pattern completely. Um, and then we've got the, um, say, Douglas Ancient and Douglas Modern. We do both of those. Um, those particular tartans. So um, it's impossible to do them all. We can only systematically, um, you know, introduce them um, because it does take quite a while to do it. But also the sheer volume of, of fabric that we have to commission, um, not less than a thousand meters and often 3000 meters means that we've got a fairly hefty, you know, financial outlay just to, to bring a new tartan on board. So if I came to you and, and said, I would like a set of cufflinks in the Campbell of Bredalbin tartan, you would have to order a, a minimum order of the fabric and then have to know either I'm going to have to pay for that entire run of fabric or you have to know that there are going to be enough other retail sales to make it worth your while to invest in actually having that tartan run. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, one of the, the things is that we introduce it by, we, we can judge demand because of communications from, you know, retailers or uh, the public who ask us, you know, do we do such and such? Um, but we do do commissions for, you know, various clans, but we often do that on an exclusive basis. And um, if a clan wanted to have, let's say, you know, uh, their main tartan, uh, we didn't do it, then we would ask for a minimum order quantity from them in terms of product. Now, uh, we don't charge a premium for the products themselves. Everything is costed the same. It's just the initial outlay. If it's an exclusive agreement, say for, you know, a castle, uh, a clan, um, then we are limited in terms of where we can sell it other than through them. So we ask for a minimum order quantity, essentially just to cover the cost of the material. Uh, and then if they reorder afterwards, then, you know, hopefully we'll make a little bit of profit out of it. And you do make exclusive arrangements like that. In fact, you were telling me offline that one of the places that you have that sort of arrangement with um, are the folks at Eileen Donan Castle. Is that right? Yes, Eileen Donald Castle, which is uh, Kyla Lacouche, which is um, just across the sound from Sky, where the Sky Road Bridge is. It's one of the most ancient castles in Scotland, and the McRae family uh, commissioned their McRae Red but we don't sell it direct to the public. If somebody wanted something in McRae, we would refer them to Ellen Donald Castle. And so they have to buy it through the gift shop there at the castle? Yes, they would, yes. Or the okay. website. Or the website, yes. Or the website, sure. So did I hear you correct that there are 10,000 registered targets? tens of thousands of them, to be honest. Tens of thousands. Uh, oh, my gosh. I don't think anybody has ever determined exactly how many tartans there are. I had this discussion with someone, you know, just this last week, and um, the Tartan Register was only set up a few years ago, and I think they're systematically bringing everything on board, but that's um, a government agency that's trying to, you know, um, look at 
the preservation and the control of um, of tartans. Um, but in terms of a definitive number, I don't think anybody could ever guess, to be honest. You've got 36 in your product line. How do you decide what the next tartan is or the next two or three tartans are that you're going to bring online into your product line? Well, we meet an awful lot of people at trade fairs. And um, you know, remember, Trish has been quite experienced at, at making and selling this type of uh, jewelry and products for you know quite a number of years. Uh, we do get a lot of inquiries coming through uh, by telephone and by email, both from retailers and from the general public, asking if we do a certain you know type. Um, but we do do some market research, and we we do talk to the retailers with whom we you know to whom we supply. Uh, because they have a broad section, a lot of sort of related to clans. Some are actually gift shops, you know, uh, in tourist attractions like Edinburgh Castle or the Royal Mile. And they know what the demand from their customers is, the, what the customer is asking for. And where we can identify there is a requirement generally from the retail trade, then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll you know, commission some new ones. Um, and... Uh, I suppose you, you take a little bit of a risk, but Trish is very good at identifying what is fashionable and also, um, you know, what appeals to ladies and gentlemen. Is there a most popular tartan that you that you see either retail or, or requested through your trades? What do you see as your best seller? Well, actually, there is two best sellers um well, for me at the moment, the Black Watch Tartan is always very popular, and the Wallace Tartan, that's very popular too. Now, the Black Watch is a very dark, it's, by its very name, Black Watch, it's a very dark tartan. I don't know that I'm familiar with the Wallace. What coloring is that? The Wallace is red, um, predominantly red and black, but it has a yellow stripe in it. Um, I actually uh, supply the Wallace Monument. The, the Black Watch Glen, is, it's, it's got a quite a unique history to it. Um, it's obviously a regiment in the, the British military, uh, but it dates back to the 1700s. And it, at that time, it was known as the Government Tartan. And uh, it related to uh, a regiment that was started essentially by the Campbells. And uh, then... As I said, it was the government tartan initially, and then it changed to the the Black Watch. And I'm not quite sure the year that that happened. And it's remained that way ever since. But if you look at the Black Watch and you look at the the Campbell Ancient, you'll see that it's very, very similar. And in fact, there's only two or three of the threads within it which differentiates one from the other. Um, but it is a beautiful tartan with, you know, a number of colours in it, which uh, is is really popular if you're wearing a, you know, a, a nice blue suit or whatever. And of course, the Wallace one, which is red, uh, I think that had a lot of publicity because of the likes of Braveheart, etc. And the Wallace Monument, which is the monument, you know, to his memory, um, obviously has lots and lots of tourists attending every year. Yes, as a matter of fact, I visited the Wallace Monument when I was there in uh, in January, one of the many stops that I made there in Sterling. And you, you're talking about the Black Watch Tartan. If I remember the history I've read about Tartans, that was, I think, the original Tartan. As you say, that was launched by the government. Once they restored 
um, the right to wear tartan, and they started out by introducing tartans in the, the British military to create popularity for the tartan again, and the Black Watch was the original one that they did that with. That's right. That was the government tartan. And, yes. Uh, of course, the Black Watch is renowned in terms of, you know, its campaigns and uh, its military history, I think, well, renowned around the world. You know, they're an amazing, uh, amazing regiment. Uh, they have a. They also have a museum which is in uh, Perth, which is north of Edinburgh. And uh, you know, if any of your 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 listeners are you know ever in Scotland, they should really you know try to visit there. It's a lovely castle um, within the within the town of Perth, and uh, the history of that regiment is something quite special. There has always been a question of who's allowed to wear what tartans. You hear that discussed a lot when you talk with people from Scotland or or people like myself, Scottish diaspora around the world. And I know that those rules are are greatly relaxed today over what they perhaps were, though some people in some clans may get upset if they see someone who's not a clansman, a fellow clansman, wearing their tartan. Um, If I call you up and, and let's say I would like to purchase it again, I'll just say I want to buy something that's in the McDonald's tartan and do i have to provide to you some sort of evidence or proof that i'm allowed to buy and wear that or can i just buy it because i like the colors yes you can just buy it because you like your colors we're not going to murder you just because you've decided <laughs> to wear a certain there are no broadswords hidden anywhere is that what, there are no broadswords hidden somewhere that'll come out if i ask for that <laughs> no not under any kilts that i can see <laughs> no what today i have noticed um people like to like to wear the tartan um maybe because it does have a connection with them through their clan, through um, their history, their family history, or some just pick it because maybe it's um, a Burns tartan because they like Rabbi Burns, or what is quite popular, if no one has any connection to any Scottish clan, um, they just go by what colours they like. I could see where, on an occasion, if I'm wearing a nice suit and dressing for an evening, um, I might wear, for example, a sky blue uh, shirt, and therefore uh, something in the Campbell colors, for example, green and blue would look nice. On another occasion, I might wear a a yellow shirt um, and something that has a, a bolder yellow feel in the cufflinks or coloring in the cufflinks would certainly look nice, even though it might be a tartan that I have no connection with whatsoever in terms of ancestry. So I would be okay in doing that, you think? Yes, yes, you certainly would be. Trish, tell me a little bit then about, um, give me an idea of the variety of of your uh, product line. What types of jewelry, what pieces are available through Truly Truly Tartan? Well, I make necklaces, bracelets, three different types of earrings. Stud earrings, drop earrings, clip-ons, um, and for men, I make cuff There is also some rings at the moment as well that I've just developed, and I'm developing some other products at the moment, brooches and more things, but um, they're still on the drawing board at the moment, so I don't really let on what they're like until I'm due to launch them. 
Now, for the gentleman you mentioned cufflinks, did I also see some uh, tie clasps on your yes, website? Yes, I do tie pins too. Do you are you constantly evolving your product line and in, in, in coming up with uh, different new types of, or pieces of jewelry to add to it, or, or are you pretty well set? And now it's a matter of just expanding the availability in different tartans. Um, no, I'm adding new lines to it at the moment. Read um, on the drawing board. I think Trish keeps it. You know, uh, I can I can vouch for the fact that there's there's several new products coming through, uh, but it's like everything else. She likes to keep them nice and quiet until such time <laughs> as uh, she launches them. But there's also a range of non-jewelry products in development at this moment in time, which hopefully, you know, will appear within the next. Um, five or six weeks. Well, speaking of that, one of those non-jewelry products that I know you already offer, and those are the uh, the tartan dog collars, and I'm still a little miffed that you don't offer them in a cat size, because I'm a cat person. Um, <laughs> well, you never know. That's well, what I'm going to see. You never know. Okay, well, I'm just I'm just telling you, there is perhaps some retail demand out there for, for a cat uh, uh-huh. tartan collar as well. Now, the, let's get back to uh, your retail shop or your retail business. Um, obviously, um, people can buy your wares, as you said, if you're visiting uh, the Black Watch Museum or if you're out at uh, Ellen Donan Castle and obviously many other uh, retail outlets there in Scotland. For those of us who live abroad and who may or may not get to travel to Scotland this year or in the, or in the near future, you do have your retail website. So am I correct in assuming that you do ship, uh, sell and ship your products worldwide? Oh, yes, I do. Um, also, there's a shop, in, a shop in Italy that has just opened recently. Um, it's called the Scotland Shop. There's two Italian gentlemen that have set that up. And, Lake Como. In Lake Como. And um, they stock my products in there. But yes, I ship worldwide, so anywhere at all. We'd be very interested if anybody in the States obviously wanted to you know, discuss, you know, potential for stocking, you know, the truly, truly tartan range. Be very amenable to opening up a dialogue. Okay. So there are opportunities if someone wanted to enter into a partnership with you as a trade dealer uh, to represent your products here in the United States oh, or Canada or anywhere else we may have people listening. Trish just launched, as she said, uh, the truly, truly brand name as a unique brand name uh, last year. And in the, in the space of five months, we had, I think it was 38 uh, retailers, and uh, which wasn't a bad start for a you know a, a small company, and uh, it's growing you know quite nicely. Uh, but certainly the export market into the states and Australia and Canada is something that we'd be very interested in. So, what are the reactions of people when they see? the product. Are people surprised to find that tartan is available in something as as fine and delicate as jewellery? I think it does shock people that you can actually get um, a pattern which is as broad, well, as big as in, you know, a broad loom fabric and that you can miniaturize it down to the to the size that we're able to do. Sometimes um, people contact me saying they have a kilt and if they sent a piece of the fabric, could I make them some items from that fabric? And it's not until I tell them I can't make it from the broadloom fabric because you wouldn't have the same effect that they then realise that 
I actually miniaturize the tartan and have it woven. Right, so, so don't take and, and cut a piece of your kilt or your scarf or your tie off and mail it to you. That's no, not the right thing to that's do. that's not the right work. thing to do. It wouldn't work. We take a center point on the tartan and use that, you know, but uh, it is quite a tricky exercise, and obviously people like to keep their know-how, if you understand what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and I've been struck by the fact that in looking at your product line, one of the things that attracted me to, to your company and talking with you is that when you when you look at something as small as a cufflink, that you do, in fact, have a sense, you come away with, yes, that is the Campbell tartan, or yes, that's the McDonald or the, uh, the McLean or whatever tartan you may be looking at. It's not just a splash of color. You see the patterns, you see and feel that it is, in fact, the tartan. And I didn't realize until we talked how difficult it was and how you had to miniaturize that in order to make that effect work. Yeah, well, that is the greatest endorsement that we've had in what you have just said there, so I thank you for that. Well, you can put the check in the mail. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I I do do accept British uh, pound sterling. (laughs) It's the attention to detail that goes into it. Um, Although, you know, Trish is the creative one, uh, and I'm basically in the background. Um, we're both really fanatical about quality, uh, quality and customer service. And that quality goes down to the color matching um, because, you know, you can have many, many different colors within a particular tartan fabric and trying to fit those into a very small area and to come up and retain the essence of that tartan is, is quite a skill. And, um, we use a center point so that if you look at a cufflink, you will say that, you know, it will, you, you will not fail to recognize um, that it's, you know, MacDonald or Campbell or Douglas Ancient or Ramsey or whatever. What about the longevity of, uh, of your product? I mean, it is, while the jewelry is, in most cases, I assume it's um, sterling silver. I, I don't, haven't asked if you offer a, a gold line or a white gold or, or, or other type of metal. But with regard to the tartan part, that is a fabric. It's a textile. Um, do you find that it's long-wearing and long-lasting? Do you have to take any particular care of it to, to protect your pair of cufflinks or a necklace, for example? Well, the one thing that I can assure you of is that when we, if we design a, 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 a tartan, in a, you know, a new, a new tartan with the, the material, everything is tested right from the type of dyes that we use and the types of threads. And we actually put them in the washing machine uh, as part of the testing process. So Trish will make some, you know, earrings, Necklace, bracelet. I wouldn't advise you to do that. You wouldn't do no. <laughs> But we do that just to make sure that nothing is going to run. You understand what I mean? Uh-huh. So yes. Uh, yes. we wouldn't ask anybody to do it, uh, but we do take testing to as far as we can do with it. Trish, has anyone ever come to you and said, I have an idea for a bespoke piece of jewelry? And I bring this up because on my first visit to Scotland uh, over a year ago in the spring of uh, 2014, uh, one of the things I did was I located a jeweler uh, who's now a very good friend on the Isle of Skye and had him design uh, worked with me to design and create a bespoke ID bracelet. Do you have people come to you or would you be amenable to having people come to you and say, I have this particular piece of jewelry in mind and I would like it to have include somehow either 
as a main focal point or as an accent, some of my clan tartan. Do you work with people on bespoke projects like that? If I had time, yes, I would. Um, and that's something I'm quite interested in maybe doing for the future. Um, I'm actually going on a course. I'm starting it this week. And um, it's CAD, now computer-aided design for drillers. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking into um, getting taught that, see that might be able to help me with my business. But um, yes, if I've got the time, I would work with someone to design a piece for them. So the other thing, Glenn, is that we, we're always looking at new technology and new methods, and Trisha in particular. And as you know, there are new um, new equipment coming out, like 3D printers where you can print in, oh, yes. in silver, gold, platinum, etc., um, and it's a case of just learning the software to see how that sort of thing works and then deciding whether or not, you know, the investment is worth it. I'm not sure how to put this properly. Is it handcrafted? I mean, do you build each set of cufflinks or is there in fact some manufacturing process now that, that where you create the design and then of course there are dies that stamp out certain parts of it? What the process is, I design, I design all the actual components. And if I was to make every single component, it would take me ages. So what what I do is um, I design the original, then I send that away to be cast, and the jewellery is actually um, plated jewellery. The majority of my jewellery is plated, um, and then return to me, and I make everything up myself by hand. So for, for, say, an example, um, a pair of cufflinks, the, the metal portion would, would be stamped and plated elsewhere and returned to you, and then do you apply the tartan yourself uh, to finish yes, the product? That's correct. Okay. But that show, um component itself has been designed by me and sent away, but they're um, cast in brass and then plated. I do have sterling silver earrings, though, and sterling silver, other items that I'm working at the, the moment. But I find when I attend trade fairs, most um, stockists wish to buy plated. Okay, so in, generally it's silver plate, but sterling silver is available. Do you offer a, a gold plating or anything in, a, in the line with that's gold? Not at the moment, but okay. um, possibly in the future. Sure. Now, I was reading on your website, and I want to give you a chance to talk about this. You you have a, and I'm going to forget the, the actual wording, but something to the effect of a no-quibble guarantee. Tell me about that. Yes, that's correct. Um, I would hate the thought of something I made somebody wasn't happy with or something happened to it. So if you're not happy with your product, just let me know and return it to me, and I would just refund your money. I think she would have a, uh, we call it a fit over here, but what I mean is uh, I think she would collapse if something actually broke. <laughs> yeah, we call it that over here too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's a pride in your work, uh, Glenn. That's what it's about. Let me wrap things up, and um, this is going to be perhaps a tricky question, uh, Trish, but is there a particular piece where 
everything came together just right. I mean, especially so in terms of the design of the piece that you did, the assembly of it, the combination of the coloring of the tartan and the metal plating, et cetera, et cetera. Is there that special piece out there that you've made? And if so, what is it? My actual components and product is my cufflinks. I absolutely adore them. (laughs) And even though I'm a woman, um, they're one of my best sellers. And there is a pattern that I have actually just designed. It's getting woven at the moment. It was designed by... um, a woman in Iona, it's her tartan, and it's called The Sound of Iona, and the colours on it are absolutely fabulous. And but they're non-standard. Yeah, they're non-standard, because it's a modern tartan, um, very particular colours, so we had to have special dyes for these, and the colours on it are absolutely stunning, and that's my favourite tartan to date. My thanks, as always, to my guest, Trish and Harry Tracy, for sharing with us a bit about their wee company, Truly Truly Tartan. If you'd like to see some of their beautiful jewelry, stop by our website at www.underthetartansky.scot and check out this episode's show notes. You'll find many links of interest there, including the one for Truly Truly Tartan and for that beautiful Sound of Iona Tartan. Please remember to tell your friends about us and use iTunes to subscribe so you won't miss any of the upcoming weekly episodes of Under the Tartan Sky. Until next time, I'm Glenn Moyer. Tapalev agus alapa gubra. Under the Tartan Sky is a production of Glenn L. Moyer Creative Communications. Learn more on our website at www.glennlmoyer.com. For show notes and more information on this and all Under the Tartan Sky episodes, please visit our website at www.underthetartansky.scot. And while you're there, check out our online shop where you can buy exclusive Under the Tartan Sky logo apparel and other items. Have an idea for a future episode? Well, get in touch via email at info at underthetartansky.scot. Visit and like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, where our username is at underscore Tartan Sky. That's the underscore symbol, Tartan Sky. And thank you for listening. <laughs>